0: thing's witty, right? It's not like obnoxious or ostentatious. Mm-hmm. It's like the you're, quick hit. It's like the
1: silent but deadly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you're you're not
0: Hello, hello, hello and welcome back to Center Ed Teaching. Thanks for joining us again this week. Last week, we kind of mixed things up and took a step out of the classroom to think about how media representations impact students and teachers in schools and what that plays out or how that plays out in schools. And this week, we want to kind of get back in the classroom and think about different pedagogies that can really help student learning and maybe transform your classroom to not be so teacher-based and be more student-centered. And so I'm so happy two of my favorite people are joining me today, and I haven't got to talk with them in a while. (laughs) Um, So we have Christina. Christina. Hello. And Denise. Hey. Um, And so they're going to build on some of their work that they've already done with CPET for a workshop called Keeping the Kids, or Keep the Kids Talking. And so I guess the first question, if we're talking about kids talking in class, I don't know how many times I can say talking, (laughs) (laughs) um, is why is there all this focus on conversation in the classroom now? It seemed to maybe start with Common Core, and it's just kind of increasing in its importance. Um, And what are the academic and social benefits to Keeping the Kids Talking?
2: Well, the magic word of the day is discussion. Mm-hmm. And discussion is really an opportunity to just create this space for students to talk. I said it.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: and the reality is, is uh, as we're increasing the academic rigor everywhere, now we're really looking for opportunities to increase the academic rigor in uh, discussions. And then that's really an opportunity for like students to try on some more um, elevated vocabulary and different interactions and different um, conversational moves. (laughs) And then it allows them to rehearse because we know that students tend to write how they speak. And so the more rigorous their conversations are academically, the more likely it is that they'll start to improve organically some of their writing. And then some of the writing instruction will kind of take hold a little bit more strongly. And then also, too, it's it's an interesting thing to consider that academic conversations are really an interesting form of assessment Mm -hmm. because we get Mm -hmm. a chance to take a look at like what are they understanding how are they processing what are they breaking apart what are they putting together kind of helps us as teachers step back and like whoa that (laughs) did take hold right they did get that or wow they really missed it they really didn't get that
0: yeah i feel like what i'm hearing you say is that one like this is a huge part of students learning that like we've got to pay attention to and try to engage with them and a rigorous way, but then also it gives feedback for teachers. Oh yeah. yeah, Christina, are there some other benefits?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think to echo a lot of what Denise said, I think that there's been a a phrase that I've <laughs> um, that I've heard is a reflection of extroverts, which is that we talk to think, mm-hmm. um, and I think that holds very true for me, and I think um, I would I would like to think that it would hold true for a lot of people, especially our younger students, is that we often need to talk out our thinking mm-hmm. to either bounce it off of someone else or even just hear it back ourselves. Um, but then on the other side of that is that talking and being able to talk something out would demonstrate an, a true understanding of what it is that you read or what it is that you, you know talked about with someone else. So to Denise's point, like hearing and listening in on conversations can be a, ver- a very powerful way to gauge students' grasp Mm-hmm. of the material or of the content. Um, but I think, you know, even going a step further, that there's been a lot of buzz around uh, discussion in the classroom as a result of the teacher evaluation system. And not that that's, you know, what, why we want to all of a sudden say, wow, discussion is really important. <laughs> but I think that, you know, it does help us as teachers recognize that, wow, even, you know, our evaluation system is recognizing the importance of this. And I and the more that I can incorporate in, this into my practice will um, help improve me as a teacher, but also um, the literacies of, of my students. And I know that at the elementary school level, students' command of their oral language mm. is so much stronger than their written language. So for me, the conversations and the discussions were always a way to leverage that oral language mm. Um, and help them make the connection mm. to their written language that really what you just talked about and what you just said right. is what you can write down on the paper and what you can put you know put your put your put the words <laughs> in your pen on the paper <laughs> Uh, going but, back in time. Yes. You flash back. I saw trying to, st- I was trying to come up with some like cliche or like witty phrase, and it didn't happen. But
0: I'm there was the, the hint point. of like the beginning of a nice alliterative phrase there. Like I was trying putting the possibilities in the pen onto the paper. Oh, yes.
1: that's a t-shirt. Yeah, okay. there you go. That's a t-shirt. Matt hammered it home.
0: Um. So I guess like one thing is I think. You know, overwhelmingly, teachers don't want to be the sage on the stage. Mm-hmm. They want mm-hmm. students to take control of the classroom. But, I mean, I think a lot of pe- teachers would ask the question, like, I know that this is important, but how do I actually keep the kids talking?
2: Mm-hmm. It looks different than what you think. And you said it, right? It's about control. And mm-hmm. sometimes there's this piece of you, like, well, there's a piece of all of us. I'm an educator, too. I get in the classroom, I'm <laughs> like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. So it's, it is. Uh, It's going to sound different. It's going to look a little different. But as you're moving the students from just answering a question, so student, teacher, teacher, student, Mm -hmm. teacher, next student, next Mm -hmm. student, teacher, you've got to move away from that because then they're going to speak through their learning and they need space and time to do that. So you've got to kind of understand that, yes, it's going to look a little different, but this is an investment in
1: that effort toward that that more rigorous conversation. Yeah, and that example is just so powerful and it's so it's something that we see so often right it's that teachers do want control and especially again bringing the elementary perspective to these conversations i think that's why you always invite me <laughs> <laughs> um no because you're awesome uh, well you. that too, that too. <laughs> okay. but um to They're give you my mates. elementary <laughs> perspective right um is that you know there's the very uh, strong culture of hand raising right mm. and so it's like you have to raise your hand if you're going to speak and then wait for me to call on you um, and sort of challenging that as a teacher and reflecting on that is, is, can be uncomfortable and can be scary. Um, but in order for the conversation to flow and for students to feel comfortable and open to express their ideas, you have to be able to, to challenge that or negotiate when that's appropriate and when we really mm-hmm. do want the kids to talk, yeah. um, you know, and it could start out by saying like, okay, but rather than raise your hand, you now pick on pick on someone else or point mm-hmm. to someone else. So little by little, you're building out um, the cultures of discussion and how discussion should really take place mm-hmm. um, in your classroom so that it does feel more comfortable and that you're not all of a sudden jumping into the deep end when yeah. you've barely been putting your toe in, you know, for the majority of the your time in the classroom.
0: Yeah, well, and you both brought up interesting points that I want to come back to, the, the point about it's different in different contexts and kind of what scaffold's like. But I guess... A question that, like, I have is, when we're talking about the kids talking, Denise, mm-hmm. you made it very clear that it's not, like, just kids speaking words, but it's that they're talking with each other. Yes. Uh, so, how does that shift happen?
2: Well, definitely, you want to make sure that you're asking the kind of questions that mm-hmm. allow for multiple perspectives, mm-hmm. because they we all do it. It looks really great. If I ask a question, everyone hands everyone's hand go up. Two or three people give me kind of the same answer, and mm-hmm. it's like whew, check. Mm-hmm. But the real culture of conversation in the classroom is you ask a question, and the kids go, "Whoa, I, th- I think. Well, maybe. But did you? But in the book, it said mm-hmm. that's a different kind of conversation. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of rigorous conversation-, conversation that allows you to really see the learning Mm -hmm. that really makes thinking visible. Because Mm -hmm. then you get a chance to look behind the curtain and really see like, whoa, really? That's how
1: they're understanding it? Maybe I need to rethink how I'm teaching it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, that's that's the opportunity. Yeah, I think the questions are so key. And I think that it takes a lot of preparation in advance to Mm. find those meaty questions that are going to generate a differing of opinion or that are going to generate um, you know, some heated conversation, and one of the things that we used to do in my school um, with a grade, and I think at the, at the high school level, you could potentially do the same thing, but we would all be reading the same text, essentially, and um, and we would, as teachers, mm-hmm. sort of bounce our ideas off of one another. And one of the questions or one of the the sort of issues or themes in the book mm-hmm. that generated conversation among us was, like, we're definitely using that question because we all felt differently about it. Or it generated, you know, thoughtful and insightful um, conversations. And so noting that in the in the text to say, like, "Oh, I'm going to ask this question in class can also be a helpful way to plan mm-hmm. um, and to kind of try to improve the um, the conversations in the classroom as well.
0: Yeah, so if I can just add on something to that, just to make sure that, because I think this is really important for me or for someone as a teacher that's trying to do this in your classroom. Yeah. It's not like a pedagogical technique, like oh, I'm going to work on wait time, so in the class, in the moment, I'm going to count to five. It's actually, this starts in the planning. Mm-hmm. What are What's the question that's going to elicit a multitude of responses? Like, mm-hmm. and how can I then elicit those responses to start that conversation? So, the work in the moment is almost invisible because that work's been done beforehand.
1: Yes. Yeah. And there are places, you know, like, I don't want it to make it seem that like, oh, I have to come up with this brilliant mm-hmm. question. I'm going to be able to do that very easily. No, I think that you lean on different things, right? Mm-hmm. So it could be, I'm leaning on a particular skill, right? Like more recently in a school, we were talking about character analysis and that mm-hmm. character analysis is a particularly challenging skill for this. Their, the third grade students. Um, and on a sample or mock assessment they didn't do very well Mm -hmm. so character analysis is actually a wonderful starting place for questions right like how do you feel about this character could be very different than how I feel about this character so kind of leaning on different things to Mm -hmm. guide your development of these questions can be really helpful it could be looking at the data what are students struggling with it could Mm -hmm. be looking at the standards it could be looking at the curriculum but sometimes they don't always have the best questions so maybe it's even just rephrasing it or Mm -hmm. revising it a little bit Um, But then to the other point that I shared was that it could be bouncing off, bouncing your ideas off of other teachers and your grade or in your department. Like what's a question you've asked that generated really good conversation Mm -hmm. and then steal it, right? So I think that, yeah, I don't want to make it seem like, you know, oh, it's just this easy thing. Come up with a great question. Coming up with good questions is very difficult. Um, and then one other tool that they can lean on too is like the DOKs. And, mm-hmm. um, I know that we often talk about the rigor meter or the reader meter, mm-hmm. um, and trying to get to those questions that are more than just recall, mm-hmm. right? Because those are going to fall flat. I found the evidence in the text. I'm done. I'm good. All right, moving on. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to get that conversation. Um, so moving away from sort of the level one and level two kinds of questions, mm-hmm. um, and really try to get kids talking about things that are more about analysis, examining, um, critiquing mm-hmm. those kinds of things i thinking
2: about what scaffolds we need right Right. as educators because so often we're thinking about like well the students need this Mm -hmm. scaffold but we do too right and so what does it look like as we're moving through our scaffolds so Mm -hmm. if we're coming into a text fresh we're going to need tons of scaffolds to kind of hold us hold the space but then we can peel them back Mm -hmm. and so really thinking about the gradual release not just for the students but for ourselves as well Mm
0: -hmm. yeah no I think that's really well put and I want to now come back to the point you raised earlier Denise about how it differs by context so if we're thinking in terms of this is going to differ by grade level, like how do we understand or those differences? Or if we're a teacher at a high school, how are we thinking about this differently than maybe someone in a middle school or an elementary school?
2: Well, traditionally what I found with working with teachers with older students and working in my classroom, high school and middle school, mm-hmm. that it's not so much that they the students don't want to speak, but sometimes they just don't feel safe enough to speak because the reality is is. I know I used to, again, I apologize. Every time I get on here, I apologize <laughs> to my first and second year students. Ms. Daniels is so star- sorry. I didn't know. So I would often, like someone raise their hand and it's like, yes, right answer. Bling. And then I light up and everyone's like, yay. And then it's mm-hmm. like, ooh, the three students that just answered are not going to answer next time. Yeah. So really creating the space for an answer, not the right answer. Because mm-hmm. that's that's number one. And then also, too, thinking about our scaffolds as educators, you know, sometimes we have to be willing to ask a question that we're not quite sure how it's going to be answered. So not have this right answer in mind and just kind of like skip the kid, skip the kid or take the answer from kid A and kid C and then kind of splice it together. Like, no, be willing to work with the answer that you get and Mm -hmm. be willing to put the work into follow-up questions Mm -hmm. because you can plan your questions, but kind of take a little bit of time to practice how do you then craft a follow-up question, Mm -hmm. right, to maybe tie it back to your central question because you feel it going off on a tangent. But there are those skill sets that you can practice inside of the planning that you're kind of like, okay, well, what's, like, how could this go off the rails? Mm -hmm. And then kind of what, uh, what question would bring it back? but you're still honoring the
0: voices that have have participated so far. Hmm, That's really helpful. Christina, what about elementary or younger students?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that, um, you know, you will have the the one or two students in your classroom that are much more hesitant to speak, but I often found at the elementary school level that kids always wanted to talk. In Mm -hmm. fact, it was more a matter of me trying to say, like, okay, we have to stop, we have to move on, right? And, And students getting offended if I wasn't able to call on them or I didn't call on them. Um, so, for me, it's really about um, containing and really like uh, structuring the conversation so that they are talking about the things that you really want them to be talking about, or that if they do go on a tangent, like there's a per- they they recognize what, what that's about mm-hmm. and can potentially bring it back. I think also a huge thing in elementary, and I would, I would probably guess that Denise would, would echo this at the high school level, is listening. Right? Like in order for them to have these conversations, you can't just teach them to talk. You have to teach them to listen. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is something that I think we all struggle with, but particularly younger kids. <laughs> for um, those of you out yeah. there, Denise just choked on her. My water. husband, my husband. <laughs> um, but yeah, you also have to teach them how to listen. And so to when Denise was talking, something that came to mind for me is that. Um, we we try to give kids like these prompts or accountable mm. talk prompts to mm-hmm. keep the conversation going, but oftentimes they're not really using them effectively. And so one of the the small moves that I've started to to introduce into my own practice and into my practice with teachers is instead of asking like Do you want to build on or do you mm-hmm. want to add on? It's like Do you want to evaluate mm. what what Denise just said? Because that is sort of a way for them to understand that in order to contribute or in order to um, to add to the conversation, I need to have heard what Denise just said, process it a little bit, and either agree with it, disagree with it, add on to it, right? So even just that small shift can be really effective um, to say, like, do you want to evaluate, right? Um, because it is, it's emphasizing the importance of listening um, as crucial to, to conversation and discussion as well.
0: And I think the other part that really makes this different by context, or at least as many in the STEM fields have told me, (laughs) is the ability to get kids talking in different contexts. Mm
2: -hmm. Oh my goodness, ma! (laughs) So, um, it's so funny because as a trained ELA teacher and then um, self-proclaimed content area specialist, uh, (laughs) it's a really interesting conversation and there's a lot of angst, around, Mm -hmm. um, particularly in the math and science um, classrooms, you know, how do you get students to have these real conversations? And the reality is, is that, you know, there has to be more content-specific reading happening Mm. because if the students don't even see it in real context and it feels so artificial, it's like, I'm saying this, and I'm boxing my answer. You don't box your answer when you're speaking, but you are more likely to engage in a mathematically-themed mm-hmm. conversation if you're talking about, I don't know, the stock market or you know, um, mortgage rates or things that are actual real-life yeah. math-related topics. And so what does it look like to have a conversation about... Um, a Tesla or have scientific um, themed conversations. And that's really an opportunity too for students to rehearse the um, content specific vocabulary Mm. because that's another thing that they're really really struggling Mm -hmm. with. So labs become just just impossible to write because I'm not quite sure how to explain my reasoning. I did this lab, it was fun, mm-hmm. but now, like, how do I write the lab report? Mm-hmm. And so, if we're having these kind of conversations and just, and they don't have to be these long period long conversations, they can be very finite and very, like, defined amount of time. Hey, talk about this. What do you think about this? Take some notes. That's an opportunity to rehearse, and it's really important.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. I think what I'm hearing a lot and what you're saying is what you, like, said at the end there the opportunity to rehearse with this what might feel like a foreign language right if you're using like the latin terms for a particular animal or some fancy word for a scientific process or something like that i think that's a really helpful way to frame it maybe in that christina do you have anything you want to yeah i
1: think i think to to echo everything um that denise said and to add on um, (laughs) after evaluation i evaluated it and it was good um but that yeah i think that and i've sort of um, even to grappled with this a little bit myself is that you know the ela, tends to be this place where like reading writing and discussion goes on right and then in content areas it's like we're 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 working through content Mm -hmm. um and more recently I think well it's not super recent but I think it's just been a little bit more um, accepted and and discussed more recently is the idea of humanities and Mm -hmm. this this bridging between social studies and ELA and sort of more of an interdisciplinary approach and so I do think that social studies kind of lends itself more to this idea of discussion because we're talking about Mm -hmm. sort of potentially really meaty things like laws and rights yeah. and you know civilization. Um, leadership and what civilization and all of that but I think in the math and sciences to Denise's point like there's this tension of content versus skill and like I need to make time for this content and I have to get through these particular skills or these particular mathematical practices but and I don't think that you know we want to start saying discussion should be a part of every single lesson that you do as a math teacher and as a science teacher. I think that that conversation, again, can go, going back to what some of our initial points, was that it's a very good way for students to think about mm-hmm. and to start thinking about something, and as well as to demonstrate their understanding of it. Mm-hmm. And so maybe for math and science teachers, more specifically, it's uh, an opportunity for them to start thinking about, when can I, when should I mm-hmm. start incorporating more discussion into my classroom? Maybe it's in the beginning of the unit. Right when we're launching a new unit on a topic in, in science, and we're just going to talk about it first, mm-hmm. right? We're going to get our ideas, our juices flowing, and then maybe we'll check in a couple more times by having a discussion of like, what are we learning? Mm-hmm. What skills are you learning? What content are you learning? Um, and and in math, one of the things, one of the sort of uh, leverage areas for discussion that you know I've been working on with um, uh, high school in the South Bronx is talking about our strategies talking about our processes even if it's for 10 minutes at the end of the class like how did you arrive at your answer how did why did you do it that way how come you did it that way how's that different than what i did um as a as a way to again gradually introduce conversation and discussion into the classroom um, in ways that are meaningful and authentic to math
0: yeah that, that's really helpful and, I, and i'm thinking like you know a teacher who's out there like okay maybe you're now getting me into like oh yeah i need to do this here are some ways to do this come on Mm -hmm. to the dark side (laughs) (laughs) but there's like a midwinter break coming up Mm -hmm. soon it's going to be warm it's going to be spring kids are going to be a little bit wily maybe i'm concerned about classroom management Uh how how do i do this and and still effectively manage the classroom like how how can i make that transition
2: Okay, so for those of you who can't see, Matt just kind of flashed back to his classroom, and there was a moment there, so clearly this is a, a, an important part for so, me.
1: Um, He's not speaking from experience. No, nope, like nope. he has no idea.
2: No idea. Like it's nothing. Uh-huh. Um, one of the things that is critical, and we, we talk about this every time there's coaching, workshops around this, there has to be some uh, non-negotiables, and the main non-negotiables are around respect, for the conversation and the space and the people in the space and mostly for hearing all voices because we don't all contribute the same way. Mm-hmm. And that's important to recognize because it's very easy for me to immediately begin to judge because someone is sharing in a way that I'm not, that mm-hmm. that's not my preferred way of communicating. Mm-hmm. So that's a, an interesting conversation. And you start to hear, oh, my sister's like that. I, I get it. Whereas there was a, a, you know, some conflict before, and so you're able to kind of recognize that the students can hold the space a little bit uh, more efficiently than we think. Mm-hmm. Um, but circling back to the control piece. And then the other thing is, is thinking about your entry point. Because it doesn't have to be a whole class discussion, and I say nothing just because mm-hmm. Danielson seems to favor that version of discussion. But <laughs> there are ways that you can have either small group discussions, Partner discussions, often known as turn and talk, <laughs> but that because there's a finite amount of time, and then there's a designated outcome, then it's more likely that we can have a small like a dip or stab at it. No, not stabbing. Like <laughs> a small um, effort, <laughs> and then you actually stop and take a pulse. Like mm-hmm. what worked, what didn't work, and when students get a chance to chime in, the buy-in, first of all, is is insane. But the really great thing is they start to recognize that not only does their voice matter in terms of participating in the conversation, but their voice matters in participating in the learning community, and that's huge. Because that's agency, right? That's ownership.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that um, at the lower levels, it's about starting small, to Denise's point. Um, and turn and talks, you know, I think, can be in a, a very effective way, quick way, to generate discussions, but they shouldn't be the only way that you're having discussions in the classroom. Um, And so one of the ways that you can start to gradually um, build out from there is we used to call it make four, right? So you would take your partnership and you Mm -hmm. would find another partnership and then you would talk about and expand the conversation. And then you could make six, you know, you could make eight um, and then gradually build up to whole group conversations um, because they've already had a chance to talk out their ideas with a smaller group and get a little bit more comfortable um, rather than starting whole group conversation mm-hmm. um, because I think that that's when you're naturally going to get kids who kind of hide in the, in the sideline or maybe mm-hmm. that's not their preferred way of communicating or they don't really know what to say or they're nervous so really starting out small and growing to larger conversations um, can be a really um, effective um, uh, process not, not only for classroom management but also just for, for the students. And for the students to get comfortable.
0: Yeah. I mean, not to like steal your great ideas, but one thing I think that builds on top of that is, I mean, there's also a bit of student movement Mm -hmm. when you're doing something like that and something that can break up a student's day, which, at least in my experience, has often made students more engaged, Mm -hmm. right? If they're not sitting in a chair for seven hours a day Mm -hmm. and they're getting to express themselves in different ways and moving around... That will also kind of help with your classroom management because students are invested in that class because they feel like they're respected. They feel mm-hmm. like they learn. They get to do something different. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: One other thought, too, I think, um, about management is that um, it shouldn't all of a sudden, we as teachers shouldn't all of a sudden feel like the majority of our lesson now needs to be discussion. Like, right. that's what everybody's saying. That's what that's what is going to rate me effective. Like. That's not going to work. It's going to fail miserably. Right? So all of a sudden, it's going to take sort of building up the stamina of that conversation Mm -hmm. as well. So it's about maybe today we're going to try and talk for five minutes, literally, in our small groups. And then we're going to, you know, gradually build up to maybe seven minutes Mm -hmm. and then ten minutes. So I certainly don't want to put it out there that... Yes, we're, we all are in agreement that discussion is really important, but that doesn't mean that now I'm going to just stop talking altogether as the teacher and hope that my students can talk for 30 minutes mm-hmm. um, because it's not going to happen. Um, so starting small also just means in terms of how much time we're carving out for that discussion to happen and what's realistic for our students.
2: Yeah, okay. I just wanted to make, like pull out something I think that's like it could be missed because it's kind of super subtle. <laughs> But inside of your starting small and the recommendation for like a five-minute goal mm-hmm. and then maybe a seven-minute goal, many things have to happen inside of those that right. five to seven minutes, mm-hmm. right? So each student must speak. Um, you have to negotiate your time. Mm-hmm. You have to negotiate a group dynamic. So there's mm-hmm. layers upon layers mm-hmm. of magical things happening mm-hmm. that obviously don't happen in an isolation. They need mm-hmm. to be spoken to, um, addressed, checked in on. So mm-hmm. I just want to make... make the point that even if you are starting small you're starting small with a real live
1: discussion with all of the moving parts right Right. and one of those most wonderful things um if it happens is you're you're cutting the conversation short (laughs) right and then you're making them oh my god look at how you guys were talking so wonderfully and we're out of time like and helping them realize that like they can talk and it's fun and guess what like we're gonna talk more tomorrow rather than it being like oh, we ran out of things to say, and, like, yeah, see, that mm-hmm. was, you know. Then that's when they start doing things like throwing paper and, you know, bullying one another or whatever the case may be. Not bullying, but um, just being b- young kids. So I think starting small can also help them realize that, like, oh, we filled that space entirely and we want to talk more now. Right. But um, we're going to save that for tomorrow.
0: Yeah, yeah and I think... Before we get into the next topic, just to build on some of what you were saying there and to build in maybe, I don't know, a cushion or like competence for the teacher is that there are going to be students that aren't going to be on topic, I think. Uh-huh. And and that's okay, but the hope is that over time, uh-huh. you're getting everyone involved in that they're engaged, but I think it's like, oh no, there were three students who weren't talking about exactly what I want them to. I, I can't release them because then they're not doing what they're supposed to, and it's like... Kids are kids. Mm-hmm. We, we have to cultivate that. Yes, yes. absolutely. Um, so speaking of kids being kids, they have different needs. Mm-hmm. So given if we're trying to talk, there may be students who are more hesitant to talk, mm-hmm. students who that want to over-talk. How do we differentiate for these needs?
2: Well, definitely we want to think about, um, since some students are more quiet than others, um, and then some students think at different rates of speed, that... Um, In my classroom, when I'm coaching, I'm always speaking about what is the pre-writing that is happening before the speaking. So are they taking a second to think, jot some notes down, and then go into their discussions? Because then they're less likely to, oh, you stole what I was going to say, or oh, I forgot what I was going to say, so let me say something else. That now takes the Mm. whole group off topic that I have something on um, on paper that started me out. And then thinking about, too, that sometimes you have the opposite. You have students who share too much. So it's Mm -hmm. almost like, ooh, how do I make sure everyone gets a chance and not make that student feel like, oh, the teacher clearly doesn't like me? Because Mm -hmm. it's just, you don't want that to happen. So what are some of the roles you might decide to assign? So you Mm -hmm. might say that student could be a table facilitator or Mm -hmm. could be a moderator, for example. Because then you're leveraging the fact that they are so rehearsed at speaking, that it's a comfort level for them, let's use that and let's build up a little bit of some leadership skills.
1: Yeah, I think um, I think roles is definitely a great way um, and, and then slowly rotating those roles so that they mm-hmm. don't get stuck in, oh, I want to be the note taker, right? And mm-hmm. especially those kids that um, don't speak as much. Um, But I think also, and and it goes back to kind of these accountable talk prompts that I know this this buzzword that's been circulating around um, in education, but I think being really strategic about the kinds of accountable prompts that you are giving students who might feel a little bit Um, hesitant because they don't know how to say what they want to say Mm -hmm. or they don't know how to build on to someone else's thinking. Um, So really giving them these sort of strategic prompts that either you've heard the class use a lot um, or you know that they feel comfortable with um, can be a good way to differentiate. But then also, I mean, I would just kind of show a little bit more love to the groups of Mm -hmm. students who I knew might need a little bit more assistance and a little bit more help. Um, and even just a little bit more encouragement. And so I would even sometimes like whisper things in certain students' ears to just say like, you had a great point the other day, like Mm -hmm. say that. Or Mm -hmm. I know on your post-it in your book, like you had something down, I think you should share it. Mm -hmm. And it's just about encouragement and checking in on those students that you know might feel a little bit more hesitant or maybe they're English language learners and they don't fully have the command of the English language in the way that they do their native language so just kind of showing them more love and strategically circulating around to the groups that might need you a little more
0: yeah and I think something that you both hit that's always key to differentiation is being attuned yes to your students yes right is this student less hesitant to talk is this student more likely to talk and dominate conversation like how how do I navigate that so I don't want that to get lost um I think maybe the final part of this, which I know at least for me in my practice was a huge part of the discussion, was that it could then be translated into writing and hopefully improve students' writing. So how do you help students translate these wonderful things that they're saying into their writing?
1: Yeah. I think for me, um, it's, and I think I've said this a couple of times now, is that especially at the younger level, like kids want to talk. Mm -hmm. They are... In fact, it's largely about, like, trying to keep them quiet, <laughs> right? So for me, um, it was really helping them recognize that this can be super helpful and informative mm-hmm. to our writing, right? Like, everything that we're saying can can literally be put down on paper. Um, and so I would often, um, in the same lesson or in the same sort of time frame um, of a discussion, follow it up with writing um, or return back to the writing if in fact, we jotted some ideas in the beginning mm-hmm. to have their ideas are fresh, their thoughts are fresh, and let's now get that out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I the other thing is that I, I think that our tendency is to teach to structure first as teachers mm-hmm. because you know, if we're focused on a unit around informational writing, you know our, our tendency is to teach, introduction, um, you know, claim, body paragraph, and I think that that can feel very restrictive and stifling for students. I think that first and foremost, we want them to get their ideas out. We want them to start thinking about this topic that they're potentially writing about. Um, in any way that they can, in any way that feels comfortable for them. And then we can transition that into structure and what goes where mm-hmm. um, and what do we need to add more to um, and what maybe doesn't fit or isn't as, as um, appropriate to the topic or relevant to the topic um, as other pieces of information. So it's this idea, and I always, I, when I've done workshops around this, I always sort of channel Moffitt. Um, and that we want kids to be writing from plenty. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you introduce structure too soon, too early, I think that it it can um, really stifle them and, and cause frustration. So
0: Yeah, I mean, I think any teacher who's worked with students on writing has seen at least 20% of their students start to write the introduction paragraph right. and oh, yeah. an hour and a half later right. have two words right. because <laughs> that is so hard to write a good intro. Right. Exactly. Um, Denise, other thoughts about translating this into writing?
2: Yeah, definitely with older students, um, there's definitely the teenagers, quite the opinionated bunch, (laughs) and they sometimes struggle to translate that into their writing, and so often when you start off with, okay, make sure you have something written down before you go into like your group discussion or your partner Mm -hmm. discussion, sometimes as simple as how has your thought changed is your entry point back into writing. Mm -hmm. So you're going back to something you've already started. Then you might begin to kind of prime the pump Mm -hmm. and then start writing because sometimes you've taken in so much, it's like I have no idea where to begin. Mm. So then by coming back and landing on something specific, then you're like, oh, okay, because then you start to make your pathway through the ideas and start to begin to connect it to what you originally wanted to say in the first place. Mm -hmm. And then it's really, really helpful specifically for um, special ed students and um, uh, ELLs because they're oftentimes kind of negotiating um, quite a few things. Mm. And so with all of the ideas, it's like, Oh, what then happens? So really helping them think through uh, more concrete ways to come back to the writing after discussion is a very useful um, and powerful support. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, I I mean, I like that, and I think it was something that I maybe had heard you saying before, too, not just in what you just shared with us, but the idea that you have to, as as a teacher, give students ways to write down the discussion Mm -hmm. or to keep track of the discussion. And I just remember that ringing so true for me because... I would do like writing conferences with students and they would lay out this beautiful structure of what their essay was going to look like, all their main points, and then 20 minutes they'd come back and they'd say, well, what did I say? hmm Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. yeah I so think
0: hard. that, yeah,
1: <laughs> that for me especially, um, and I again, I think that I often bring elementary strategies and practices to my work with high schools because mm-hmm. it is so relevant, but I would often have a conference or a, a sort of note Um, Tracking system Mm. to capture the gems that these kids were saying in their conversations so that I could then bring that back to my individual conferences with them. Or if they do say I got stuck, share with them what it is that they said. Because I think that, especially at the younger level, like note taking is really Mm. hard for them. Like they jot down everything. So, as a, and maybe gradually they'll start to do it themselves, but in the beginning, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, in the beginning, um, I was capturing those things mm-hmm. and sharing them back um, just to affirm also like some of the things that the kids were saying in the in the conversation, like sharing the quotes of the day, yeah. um, making them feel good about what they shared, um, but then also using that to inform, you know, my writing conferences and things like that. Um, and there was something else that I was going to say. Um, oh, the other thing that I was going to say, too, is that one of the, the techniques that I would use in my classroom as well is we would rehearse our writing. Mm-hmm. So going back to the, the point about a lesson really com- being comprised of both discussion and opportunities for writing, um, that y- using the conversation as rehearsal can be really helpful. And another um, strategy that I would do with my kids a lot, and it, it, made it, it had a huge impact, was in a teacher voice... talk out what you're going to say and you would suddenly hear the shift of like they'd either mimic you which was really interesting or they would just naturally step into this role of like using more sophisticated language or trying to use for example or as Mm. if they were teaching their younger siblings or whomever and so that was a powerful technique to help them um kind of refine a little bit of what they might initially been talking out, um, to now prepare to put it down on paper. Um, so steal yeah. that one if you like it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> to your point, students don't learn how to take notes. Yeah. It just doesn't magically happen. Yeah. So this is definitely an opportunity to step into your note taking strategy. Yeah. As the teacher. So this is this is how I take notes. Mm-hmm. Because the reality is is if you don't capture the discussion, it it just it's gone. It's a beautiful memory we have together, <laughs> mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. it's gone. And sometimes you get this just the most powerful statements from sometimes the unlikeliest students, by the Mm -hmm. way, because they just all of a sudden were so moved. Mm -hmm. And so you want to find ways to capture it, so you want to tape it. The note-taking strategy was, we tried one um, with, there was a work with the ENL department um, a few years back, and when I tell you we had this whole note-taking capture, we had a capture document, and the things that the students were capturing, we were all like moved. it was very it was very emotional. Uh, but then you also recognize, too, it helps when they're coming to writing essays. Mm. And maybe a bulk mm. of kind of processing happened in like two discussions during the unit those things happened a week ago that's I mean come on we've watched tons of TV and been on Instagram (laughs) like it's gone Uh so but how great is it to be able to go back to notes that were really taken based on what made sense to me Uh so our notes even sitting as another group discussion like okay well let's compare notes again another Uh opportunity Uh to check in on where we all are Uh and so it's often amazing how notes can differ by context and by setup but that there's a way to archive and come back to the discussion Uh
0: Yeah. And I mean, i love kind of ending on this because I think you two did just such a brilliant job of connecting, talking and writing, right? Mm. Like we often think of these as two different parts of the classroom, but they're so interconnected because Mm -hmm. they're both representations of students thinking, Mm -hmm. right? It's just a slightly different medium for each. Um, And so I would ask for final thoughts, but (laughs) because there is a conference coming or PD workshop coming up. Oh yes, that's right. I think you guys have to save some so people can come and learn. I know, I was about to
2: spill all my secrets.
0: Oh, Matt. Well,
1: and if you want all of the beautiful resources that reflect everything that we're talking about, then you would participate in the workshop as well.
0: Hypothetically. Hypothetically.
1: Hypothetically. Hypothetically. Hypothetically.
0: Right. And not hypothetically, but realistically. (laughs) (laughs) The the link to sign up will be in the show notes. So if you're interested and you want to participate in this process and bring it into your classroom, please hit that link. And uh, I guess see you Mic drop. Keep the
1: kids talking. <laughs> oh, yeah. Don't mic drop. That would yes. end the conversation.
0: <laughs> no. Keep the kids talking. All right. We'll Take care talk to you all. Next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.